Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Press Box Podcast, your one-stop shop to all things sports, entertainment, and more. And I'm your host, Alethokonolomulele King. And yeah, man, third episode in, baby. We're live. Um, As you guys know, before we start the show, we have a feature called Straight from the Press Feature. And in today's feature, we have an, another article by Sim Kabaniza from The New Frame, where he takes a look into... Why has cricket not changed under black leaders? And if you guys have been following the news recently, you know, for the past few weeks, cricket has been under fire, you know. Cricket has literally turned upside down and leaders are resigning left, right and center. The latest being the CEO, but also I think the president of Cricket SA, Mr. Chris Nanzani, also resigned the same week as the CEO. So, you know, it, 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 you know, it raises a few eyebrows to say, what has cricket come become you know what has cricket become or rather what is the real culture of cricket under its official structures which is part of it which is the proteus but yeah man i'm reading an abstract from the article by sim kawanisa from the new frame you know it takes into quite in depth on why cricket has not really worked under people like Chris Nenzan who's been at the helm. Well, before he resigned, he was at the helm for 17 years. You know, that's basically almost the whole lifetime. You know what I mean? So, and you know, reading an abstract into, into the article, it says, With cricket for social justice and nation, nation building initiative, CSA has entered into, into its own version of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission complete with a proposed transformation ombudsman's office there may be a, a, a temptation to snigger at that given how little the actual trc is seen to have achieved but but for the first time cricket has established a forum of confronting many of the uncomfortable conversation it's clearly not had this is important because the many different conversation transformation directions rather in which csa has struck out over the years to various degrees neglected the human element to it with several administrators have opted one program and another without necessarily getting buy-in from its so-called traditional base what does csa do to ensure that the penny finally drops and meaningful integration is achieved close quote well i mean this is it all you know what i mean um what, what what does it mean right now for cricket SA as an organization i feel like cricket SA as an organization is in the mud you know for lack of a better term and you know people like the minister and all stakeholders involved into cricket and, and including people who are sponsoring cricket you know standard bank and them they need to come together to come up with solutions in saying what is the actual problem identify the problem and one of the problems is the culture of racism you know racial discrimination by players you know makai antini spoke out um lonabo spoke out this week um somebody like 
Tamitolekile has been speaking out for the past. If you listen to Robert Marawa's shows, you know, has been speaking out. You can get the podcast, you know. And, you know, it's a reflective time for Cricket SA right now to say, what are we as an organ- as an organization, you know? And people like the Minister of Sports, Honorable Natim Toyota, need to, Natim Teto, need to come to the fore and say, what can we do to help if there is anything we can do to help however if there isn't let's place this whole you know organization under administration i don't see why not because i feel like you know with some of these horrific stories from former ex-players of the proteas you can see that the culture of racism in 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 the proteas is rife you know and when people like graham smith who were tone deaf during their playing careers but supposedly leading the Proteus squad in, in 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 over those years, you know, and these are the same people that are in charge of cricket today. The very same tone deaf people who were in charge, who were part of the leaders in terms of the cricket structures back in the day, are in charge of cricket today. Those people can't solve cricket, can't solve the problems that cricket SA has, you know, because even when with their with their tone on social media over the last few months or so it has been very tone deaf you know it's some of it it seems like some of these players are imagining the discrimination that that had been caused by 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 their their um for lack of a better term their ignorance you know and for me it it, it says to me that you know when people like chris nenzani who were at the helm they were there for the paycheck and then they were there to window dress you know as black leaders but they didn't really have that much power you know and there needs to we need to look at how the structure of cricket south africa and how its leadership structures are in order for real change to be had you know um because people can't be there for 17 years chris nanzani can't be there for 17 years and even 27 years later we're still crying foul on transformation you know and there's a there's a culture that you know black players can replace white players you know white players are only replaceable by white players and the black players is going to replay the one black player in the team is going to replace the other black player in the team you know in the case in point what happened to lenawa totobe and makayantin you know he said on robert marawa show i need to just put that disclaimer in there you know so for me it's one of those things where we need we need to look at the real power that some of these black administrators in cricket SA have, you know, and how can we infect, how can we um, inflict real change, you know, in cricket SA? So that is just my two cents worth on today's feature of straight from the press, um, straight from the press feature. Um, moving right along swiftly. Um, so in today's show, we have a very interesting guest, somebody that I, I have quite high respect for, you know uh her name is Buepelo. uh that's the guest we have for today she holds a degree in journalism and has written for publications such as sokala duma new frame publications and kickoff and i just thought i should just have her on the show because i just wanted to discuss local football and she she's very well vested in local football i'd say she's well more vested than i am and we just had a kick about about you know um the state of local football since resumption you know from COVID 19 pause you know so i hope you guys enjoy this interview and yeah man let's get right into the interview
Hi, Wipelo. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. And you? I'm okay. Uh, I just want to say before we start the show, thank you for joining us on this Press Box podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Um. So yeah, man. Let's just get right into. Um. So how are you in general? How have you been in the last five months or so? You know, just how are you on a human level, and how are you on a sports fan level? I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm doing better than I expected. I'm actually I'm okay. Just for teaching and and obviously, um, just me wanting to be tired, you know. Um, but also being really anxious about what's gonna happen when we actually are lit outside, you know. But yeah, other than that, I just think um yeah, I'm okay, I'm coping. Um yeah. And at least football is back. So when that came back, I was like, Phew, there's something actually to do inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's 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 what I thought because I wanted to ask if ever as a as a as a previously starved football fan, you're probably you know, aesthetic that football is back, especially local football, because I've, I've been seeing your tweets, you know, talking about how much you miss local football. So how do you feel about football coming back? It's been a week now. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I was excited when EPL came back, you know, obviously, because I think that's a really exciting league. I mean, we were all excited, but I just think it made me, I just think not watching local football made me realize how much I actually like it, you know? Sure. Uh, I was like, okay, the EPL is nice and stuff, but I'm like, mm, but I miss, I miss my local people, I miss the PSL, you know. And then um, it came back. It's been a week. Um, I've watched not every match. I've watched probably like most of the matches. Um, it was I came back last weekend with the NetBank Cup, you know, and sure. I was really, it was I was really happy. I just think also the games that um, were played were really good. So yeah, I came back with a bang for me, and yeah, I'm excited. And now that they also announced that it's coming back in October, so I'm like, okay, that means I'm not going to be stuffed for long. It's just a month, you know. September is ending, October is starting. So, and then EPL is also starting in September. So yep. like, we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I just wanted to ask. Um, I mean, you've already touched on it, but I want you to dive into it further. Um, it's been a week since football is back, and what do you make of? what you've seen so far on the pitch, you know, all the different teams I've been playing and just yeah. Yeah, the general feel about football being back. Um, it's for me, it's touch and go, you know, um, you can see that the boys haven't um, been playing for five months, you know, and I think they only went back to training maybe a month and a half ago, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. training with a full squad. So you can definitely see that no doubt, you know, um, you can also see that they kind of be very cautious in how they play. Um, and you can also see the fitness levels aren't 100%, but I think that's to be expected, you know. I don't think we should be too harsh on, on them and how they play, you know. Um, yeah, so coming back, it's been... Um, so watching all the teams, for me, it hasn't been like... A, I, didn't, I expected what I'm seeing, you know. Um, even with the lineups, I don't think now the coaches tinkled too much with that, you know. I think it, we're still seeing the same lineups that we did five months ago, which makes absolute sense, you know. Um, obviously, there's injuries, the old people excluded, you know. But sure. that's, that's, that's how it works, even if there wasn't a five-month break. So, yeah, I just think it's a very slow start, especially in the league. I know there's a NetBank Cup coming up, but the league itself, I think it's mm-hmm. been a very slow start. Not a lot of goals, you know. Um, even your defense, you can see there's a, like mistakes you know killers mistakes in the in the finishing the boys finishing is not good you know 
Um, but I just think everything is to be expected. Like, let's give them time to like get into it. Um, now, and we all know now that um, they're all gunning now for the league, so they just trying their best, you know. So yeah, I just think it's yeah, it's what I expected. Nothing, not nothing surprising there. I mean, yeah, man, you touched on on teams gunning for the league. I want to talk about the two, the top two teams that are that are on top of the league, which is Kaiser Chiefs on 49 points and Sundowns on 46 points. I mean, prior to yeah. prior to recording this game, Sundowns has already played um, on Friday and they drew yesterday on Friday. So I want you to talk about just those two teams and how they've shaped up um, in, in the resumption of the league so far. Um. So wait, can I win the Chiefs play? Chiefs played. Chiefs played on Wednesday, and it on drew Wednesday, one one. Also drew, hey. Yeah, yeah. So both teams actually re- they drew. Hey. And I remember when um, so Chiefs played first, and then it was no, but Sundowns. Sundowns played. Sundowns played first on 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 the on the resumption on the tenth. It played against Pirates. But was it was that the Netbank Cup of the league? That was the that was the net bank cup. So when Pirates played, no, that was the league. When Pirates played um, Sundowns on oh, yes, Tuesday, on Tuesday, that was the game that was postponed. Yeah, they already played the net bank cup on last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. So I remember I was oh yeah I was very excited about the Orlando Pirates and Family Sundowns. I think it's a great fiction. I think everybody knows that. And then they drew. Um, but I think maybe for Mamelodi Sundowns, they wanted to get that momentum going, you know. They wanted to get that momentum going. And maybe they were happy also when Keza Chiefs drew, you know. Yeah, obviously. So now like, <laughs> yes, you know. So now they're like both on the same level. And I think there's one team that, that has a game in hand. Keza Chiefs have a game in hand. Oh, no, they're both on the same. They're both on they, the same level of games so far. A, and then Keza Chiefs is three points, three points uh, better than Sundowns yeah. at the moment. Yeah. And they're playing now, actually. So I just think they kind of like looking at putting themselves against each other. Whichever team, for me, gets the three points first, you know. And I know Sundance is also playing today. For me, I feel like that's that'll be where it all starts, where we actually see the league or the resumption of the league. Because I still think my melody Sundance can still take it, you know. It's going to go down to the wire. And I'm not even ruling out pirates or super sport you know in it you know yeah i just think there's just so much pressure on sundowns and kz chiefs also because now you look at people like george maluleka you know he moved from um KZ yeah. Chiefs, you know, to sundowns you know this yeah there's like um like this those teams like kz chiefs lost, lost um lost george maluleka you know in the middle there so it's just trying to see how coaches what their strategy is, you know, I want to see if in a, like, middle up, I could see he's very attacking for me. Is it? As, I think so. And I think I saw in the last game, um, in the last game when he, for me, it wasn't a good decision. But, you know, when Moleko, Kotsu Moleko got injured, then he put Bennett Parker, you know, sure. and stuff like that. For me, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good technical decision, but you can see that he is, he wants the three points and he's going for the three points. And with the same as Pito Musiman, I think Pito Musiman is very smart. I think he's the smartest coach that yeah. he has. And, yeah. And he has a lot of players on the bench that can do the job for him, you know. I just think, yeah, I'm not ruling out anyone. I still can't say who's going to win the league, you know. 
um, both teams are very tight. And we just have to see in the next maybe two or three games when they now get into it, you know. Um, sure, makes makes perfect sense. So um, with regards to, to I, wanted, I just wanted to jump on the politics that is football. What do you make about the whole Vets saga and the whole TTM saga that that has just jumped the gun before the resumption of the league? I just wanted to get your perspective about that. Yeah, the whole buying of the status. I've never ever been a fan of teams buying the status, you know. Sure. And now with the whole, um, I think um, the team versus TTM, they're, on, they're in the second division, right? Yep. And they actually might make playoffs and then they might actually get back into the league. I mean, that was before they sold their status. But yeah, I get what you mean. Yes, you know. So I just think it's... Uh, I really am not a fan of... Um, even it happened with Golden Arrows. I'm really not a fan of teams buying an, another team status, you know. 100%. And, yeah, I, I just... It's very, it's very... What's this word? It's very shaky for me. It's very... Like, don't do it, you know. But it's very interesting to see what's going to happen, especially to Bedford Woods. Yeah, because... Um, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, what? Nothing? So, so I just wanted to talk about vets and just ask if ever, what do you think is going on in in the psyche of everybody that is involved with the team, knowing that they're very much playing for absolutely oh, nothing? Oh, 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 no, it's two ways. They have everything to lose. They also have nothing to lose, you know? Exactly. You know, um, so for them, uh, it sucks, man. Like, for me, it would suck as a player out of nowhere. Because first, you know, they didn't even know, you know? So sure. now here you are on social media. Now you like now that your team is getting bought, you know. Yeah, so that was like, that was. Yeah, so it's like, are you now gonna play for that you keep your place, you know, mm-hmm. in the team that it's gonna be, or do you now go? Do you now start looking for another team, you know? Um, and especially, and I look at somebody like Tyson, like Ranshakra. He's the captain. Obviously, he can't drop the ball in terms of his confidence or instilling confidence in his players. But he was also probably thinking, you know, I, I know a lot of teams would want him, but, you know, um, he's also probably thinking, Sharp, I need to play in order for, uh, we need to finish the league strong regardless, you know. Yeah. But also, he also has to start thinking about his future. And I future. think that's what happening with yeah, most of the Vets players. They, they have to start thinking about their f- future because they don't know what's going to happen. And, hey, but man. they also yeah. But they also need to also finish the league strong. So it's it's quite tricky for me because there there has been rumors that some of these vets players who are contracted and their contractors are supposed to be taken over by TTM. That some of these yeah. players who are based in Houting they don't want to move to Limpopo. And I want to mm-hmm. pose a question to you: That do you think our players are are full of them are full of themselves? If for lack of a better term, that some of these players don't want to move from that city lights of Houting into to another province, which is in the north, which is Limpopo. Yeah, I think for for a player to say that they don't want to do that, for me, you're being full of yourself if you say you don't want to do that, you know, especially if it's for um, a reason of saying that you don't want to move from from Gauteng in terms of maybe it's the, you know, Gauteng is deemed as that city where everything is happening. If you have like your family, um, what's this, 
responsibilities or you know you're like okay actually i can't move from parting but if it's just for petty reasons and i'm like nah you you are selfish you know and we've seen big people big players move you know sure um not even big players in terms of maybe on the pitch like known players like Tuso Pala moved, he went to Black Leopards just now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also went to Amazulu, you know. So if it's, for me, players should move, you know. If they really want to play football, yes, you know. But if they will rather not move from Gauteng to another smaller province because of pitch reasons, then they really don't want to play football. 100% I couldn't agree more because I, I if the, if if you were to ask me I'd say that um you know graduates move from cities to cities in order for them to to make a living you know and football players earn a lot of money for them to be this you know um I don't know how to put I don't know how to put it but for them to be not wanting to move it's quite it's 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 putting me off as a fan you know to say imagine a player not wanting to move to another province because they are far from the 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 happenings of where 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 it's happening in Joburg or in 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 Gauteng, to say the least. So, I, I personally think these players are spoiled, and yeah. they 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 need to actually play for their worth. If 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 I'm making sense. But, but also, we just have to think also on, on another side is that they also and I agree because I also made that point. But they're also human in a sense. One hundred percent. They're very human and. As much as we see them as soccer players and we as fans or spectators of the game, we might deem that as a hundred percent their lives, which is not the case, you know. Mm. For them it's also it's also a job, it's also work. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. As much as also me, my profession does not determine a hundred percent of me. Yes, it's a part of me, but it's not a whole part of me. So yes, it's I get it's very like because it's their job, they should move as any other ordinary person would want to move. But also, a builder would not want to leave Johannesburg. And this is just an example to understand. 100%. I grew up and stuff. So it's 50-50. But like, okay. hey, who I, I, I agree because also they, you know, one aspect, and somebody can make an argument that some of these players have families, you know, in, in, yeah. in, in the province. And some of them wouldn't want to leave their wives and kids to go rent a place in another province. So that could be an argument an argument that is meant. But if it's petty but reasons for the... you know what you're getting yourself into, right, when you're playing soccer. I'm just one, saying. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, sticking to the theme of players and their drama, I want, uh, I want to ask you about what happened to, to Lodge and Justin Shonga and them being suspended from the bubble, you know, from the BSC biosafety environment yeah. bubble and yeah. the whole shenanigans yeah. there that happened. I just wanted to know what's your take on that. I mean, I think we don't know the full details, but I think we can spectate what happened, you know. Um, I just think them not following protocol, not following um, PSL, Orlando Pirates protocol, and it's just, for me, as a professional player, um, it's not on, you know. Um, it's really not on. And I think and I think Orlando Pirates wouldn't just exclude them if they had a reason to break protocol, if you know what I mean. Sure. You know, there's that family responsibilities maybe they needed to go somewhere that can be excused but judging from the statement that the club made you could see it was very reckless so for me i i you know what uh, you know your job you know and as i said it's a job and in a normal job you would if you're supposed to be at a meeting at eight you would do that you understand mm-hmm. so for me as much they should also follow protocol and they know man 
they know that they need to be in that bubble. They know they need to finish the league. It's just like get on with it and, you know, just get on with it. And that's true. Because it's also a lot of money. It's just a lot of process because they need to test again. They need to come back. It's just, you know. So, yeah, for me, and for I'm really, really happy with Orlando Pirates being very transparent with us, you know. They didn't hide it behind injuries or anything, you know. They came straight, said, you know, that's what's happening. And, but you know how the tier is that, like, ah, now Tembinkosi Lodge is known, ah, now he's breaking rules and whatever and whatever. I saw but, the tweets. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but I just think, but soccer players are also known to be rebellious. Like, we've seen this so many times without even all, like, Abu Jamfud and all of those people, you know. But yeah, it was very distasteful, um, in my opinion, it was very distasteful. And I just really hope for the sake of them, for the sake of the club, that it's resolved soon um, and that they get back into the bubble and they just get on with it, honestly. You think there's going to be more of these stories as the as the time goes on? Because I feel like some of these players are, you know, Batwerege, Kevin Fever, if I if I were to put it that way. And I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, um, I, I read somewhere that these players are not even allowed to leave the hotel. So when you leave the hotel, you go straight to the games. So, you know, my, my thing... Makes sense, though. It makes sense, doesn't it? It really what does. But what I'm saying is that, do you think some of these players are going to be like, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to just break this. I'm going to bend the rules, to say the least, and just leave, you know, or whatever, you know, without getting caught. Because it's not cheating if you don't get caught, apparently, you know. So do you think some of these players might just want to bend the rules just because they can or just because, you know, the rules are not that strict? Uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure. You know what? I'm pretty sure they'll do it. And I'm saying this in a very... They are also human, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyone can break the rules, you know. Um, everybody can break rules and stuff. So I'm pretty sure there'll be chances, you know. And as you said, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. Which is very unfortunate, guys. Like, yeah. ugh, don't do it, man. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like it's like just even it's decorum, you know. But I'm pretty sure they will do it, and whoever gets caught will get caught. But I think it will be those players that have nothing to lose. Like, I'm sure I could beat with um, beat with with will be like, ah, might as well. What? I mean, what can we do? And all of, some of those players <laughs> that are there are kids, bro. They just got promoted from from the MDC league and. You know, it's just it's quite a it's quite a daunting yeah, experience a for them. Of, actually, because now a lot of um, MDC players are playing for the first team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably also just some okay sharp now. I'm in the first team, and you know, you always hear the stories. You know, with with our legend, like oh, this is what happened at camp. There were girls who used to sneak out. Yeah. Like ah, that's also why can't we now? You know, which is very unfortunate, man. It, but it really is. Yeah, there will, I'm pretty sure there will be um, people who do that. But uh, now that it's just like, oh, like, like it's just a month. Just get on with it. Because now, man, I can't even, I don't know why people just don't back and forth. Like, just do what you have to do and get on. 100%. Um, I just want to ask you also, uh, with, I've, I've seen, I've watched a couple of games, you know, and, and I think you touched on it earlier on in the beginning of the show, but I just want you to expand on it more. Um, Fitness levels. Uh, what what's happening with our fitness levels with a lot of these teams, man? Because I've seen injuries, muscle pull. You know, um, it's just been it's not, it's just been not a beautiful sight to see. So I just want you to speak on 
what what are we getting wrong or what did we get wrong during lockdown um so these people have been out of action for five months now, mm-hmm. and they only went back to training i think maybe two a uh, month and a half back or two months back training with them so we people can't or the team themselves they really can't control what you do in that four months you know 100%. so for me it's supposed to be up to the players to say sharp i'm gonna do my own fitness at home because they know that there's gonna be a time when they need to go back to into the pitch, you know. So I'm guessing that's where it went wrong, you know, where they maybe or maybe they did train and maybe it was just not so intensive, you know, with the team. Um so when they got back into the game they weren't they weren't um they were not match fit, you know. So yeah, it is really unfortunate to see, like, even with Sundowns, I remember Madisha, like, he, like, crossed the two goals, and because he was having, like, you could see, you know, mm-hmm. with the whole thing, and I was like, why isn't he going out, there's five subs, five subs that you could do, which is, and this is something that you anticipate, and I think that's why there's cooling breaks, that's why they introduced the whole five subs thing, and not just, obviously, in PSL, I think, in oh, all the leagues, but yeah, because it's expected. But also, yeah, I think four months was a long time for them not to be playing together. Let's be honest. There hasn't been a period when they have went four months without training together. 100%. Even if four months, you know. 100%. So I just, yeah, I just think that's where it went wrong, being at home for those four months. We don't know what they do, you know. Um, They got back. They got back and... For, for a month they trained then they had to play also the pitch you know i think people like orlando pirates you know it's, it doesn't look like it's a good pitch to be <laughs> paid for yeah, yeah actually i want you to speak on that actually about the whole pitch thing what i mean personally if 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 you were to ask me about what i think about all the pitches that that i give it that we've been experiencing since the resumption of the league you know, I'd, I'd cut them some slack, you know, as because everybody was in lockdown. You know, I think for the yeah. first three months, nobody was going to work unless you were essential services. And I don't think the people that work at stadiums are essential That's services. Yeah. But however, I think also the planning between the coordination between the league, SAFA and stadium management, because a lot of these stadiums are owned by stadium management as, an, as a separate entity. Um, there was no coordination to say, OK, cool. How can we fast track or um, just bring back the, 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 the pitches to, to a standard that we can all be happy about? And I, who do we blame there? I think, I, I think that's the question that I want to ask. Who do we say is to blame with, with the standard of what our pitches were like? For me, you know, I, I can't say exactly because I, for one, don't know the process of, you know, if if stadium management has to get new authorization from SAFA or from PSL, sure. you know. but as you said, uh, the the uh, the pitch wasn't being maintained because obviously it's not an it wasn't any essential service. But but rightfully so, as soon as there were talks of the league coming back, mm-hmm. for me that could have been a okay sharp. Now we need to start. Not even it's not even about the league. I think when we went into level whatever level we are on, level three or whatever. Level three, yeah. Were, yes, when people were allowed to go back to work. You and know, players were, were allowed to go back to training as well. Exactly. Stadium management could have taken it up for themselves to say, okay, Shab, we need 
to make sure that the pitch is right, regardless of when the PSL or what Safa and PSL are, you know, going on about, you know. I just think it shouldn't have had to depend on the league coming back, you know. Um, but also, we also saw that tug of war between PSL and Safa, and many people are asking, and many people, many teams are even saying that, you know, we should just, um, this season should just stop and whoever's on top now should be. I oh I know I was just like what the hell no. but anyway um, <laughs> yeah so there's just but guys you know on these Busafa PSL there's always egos and everything involved in it you know I think they've politicized like, um the yes, game yes. they've politicized the game yeah, in right. a certain extent so it's one of those things where you know it's just red tape over red tape and just trampling over a lot of egos a lot of male egos to you know, to get a lot done. But I mean, we saw it played out in the media and it was not a, it was not a, it was not a good sight to see. No, you know? it's really not. So. Like, it's, just come to an agreement as Safa and as PSL, you know, to say this is where, like when they came up with that whole thing called referees aren't fit. Like, what do you mean? Like, if you expect a player to be on the pitch for 90 minutes, surely the referees should also go to training. I think like, I th- that can't be... I think that was the. I think that was just a way for Safa to flex their muscle because Obviously. we Obviously. can't we can't play without regulated refereeing in the country. So it was just a, a way for Safa to. Because if you look at how everything panned out with regards to that period before the league came back, it was a thing where PSL tried by all means to be as transparent as they can. I personally think they could have done better, but that's a story for another day. And with transparency comes things being in the media. And when things are in the media, somebody's ought to be wrong between the two parties. And a lot of the time, Safa was in the wrong, you know? And it was just the thing where now people just wanted to flex their muscle because they're in a position of power, if you look at it. They are. No, I I definitely get what you mean. Like, that whole referee thing they do in the span is like, you're okay, like... Because even after that far post, I know they wrote an article actually saying, um, I know, um, I forgot what we feel it was, I think it was novel, that came out and said, but we've been training. What do you mean we are? 100%, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So, yeah, as you said, I just think it's egos and people flexing, saying, hey, but look, if we don't want to start now. And I actually don't know why Safa didn't want to start. Like, I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't want the league to go on. But Hey, man, speaking of four post, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I want to I wanna diverse into um, your freelance writing gigs. Um, I saw that you're a freelancer. Uh, I just yeah. wanted you to speak about that a little more and then talk about the article that you wrote on your pin tweet about, you know, uh, the legacy yeah. that is, that is um, the FIFA World Cup and, and what went into the whole idea. Okay, so I think my whole writing started, so um, I'm a qualified journalist, I did my honours, I got my journalism, and I think before I even did my undergrad, I was, I've always said, I was like, I'm on the right on sports, on football, like, everybody knew whatever, and then I, I worked for, um, what's the Soka Duma, sure. straight after, um, straight after my honours, um, then I left, and then it was a difficult decision. I had to choose between two things that I loved. And 
I said, you know what, career-wise, I'm going to go and I'll do my activism and work for NGOs, you know. But I still, you know, said in my mind that freelancing, I would still want to write about football, you know. Um, Yeah, so I wrote for kickoff for a while. But then recently, I just got back, took a break. Recently, I just got back. And that's, um, Far Post is also another publication that I, you know, we working on something, you know, because I know the thing is the editor there and stuff. But yeah, so when I wrote, so the piece that I wrote for New Frame, so initially, um, the pitch was about the 2010 World Cup and it was just like a series on, the 2010 World Cup and so it was so the you can pitch whatever it is that you want to write on the 2010 World Cup so I said okay I want to look at it from a viewpoint yeah somebody from Soweto or it being held in Soweto in just that point you know and I said with the editor and we threw down some ideas and he said to me okay you know um go see, like, do research on how this benefited Soweto or or how it didn't or just the perception of, you know. Basically, the, the legacy. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, so then, okay, Sharp, then when I when I was doing and I researched on it, um, firstly, the first person I spoke to was Phil Mokhodi. So he's the president of Local Football Association, um, the one that's based at Nike Centre. You know, so we spoke and we spoke and he had a very kind of like positive, you know, response to the World Cup, you know, firstly, because the Nike Center was built, Orlando Pirates was, um, what's this, Orlando Pirates was, what's this when you do it again, re- refurbish, yes, that re is that word, you know, so, um, yeah, so he had like a, like a 90% good Positive impact. Positive impact. And, you know, because of the infrastructure and everything else. Yeah, but then I wanted to get it from a more local people, you know, not people that are actually involved in football. And then I stumbled across a guy called Chichi Silepe. So Chichi Silepe is the media director for um, this organization. I just know that it's WWC. But anyway, it's World cup committee or something like that but what they do is that they look at the previous world cups they see the mistakes that they did and they try to so they do findings and then they kind of like do research to say this is what went wrong with the previous world cup so this is how south africa can improve so obviously they do that before the world cup you know and then when i spoke to him like he brought up some points that i didn't even think of you know um, for, so first of all, it's like, okay, Sharp, it's all good and well that Orlando Pirates was made into this really nice um, stadium. But did we ever think about the traders and, you know, the people that sit outside and sell? They were literally chased off the premises, you know, there was no space made for them. Whereas the previous stadium had accommodated them, you know. It's like, so if we saying we're doing this for Soweto, why our local people not benefiting from it, you know? And then he also spoke of, so there was, um, so there's a host, hostel called Dude, and then there was, um, what's uh, like units built there, 
which were never occupied, you know. So his view at first was that he thought that they built those units in front of the hostel in order to hide, you know, Australia could do there, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, he's like, what's the point if you really want people to see what Soweto is about? Yes, we're not saying yes, you know, make it pretty and stuff. But we have those. You have your Villegasi Street, you have your Mandela houses. Sharp, that's there. But also do not obscure the reality that, you know. Because that's that the everyday is, life that a Soweto resident would, would, would live, you know. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So then when I wrote the article, um, then I did research on the Dubai hospital. Um, um, hostel, then I could see that the units that were built, obviously it was a field project, nobody ever lived with him, and that was a hundred million. And then he was saying that that money could have been used for so many things. For example, it could have been used for those traders or the local people to be trained, you know, and stuff like that. So so when I wrote that article, I wrote that, but then, then I submitted it. And then I was thinking, why I need to speak to somebody actually like for me the uh, the whole Dubai hostel thing and this hundred million that was wasted for me didn't sit right with me you know and then I tried then I spoke to the MMC of housing um and then funny enough he actually lived there for nine years you know so he as much as he's the MMC he also had that personal experience of people getting evicted and demolished. Mm-hmm. And still not having a place to live for all those years, you know. Absolutely. So that's when I also wrote the story on um that part, you know. He explained that, you know what, these people were promised houses. The houses were demolished and stuff, and they said we're building this units. Until today, we, we can all see, I think if you pass there, it's vandalized, nobody has ever lived today. These people were given temporary like residential units, which aren't proper proper housing, and it's they're still not they still don't have proper housing. And this happened like how many years ago, you know? In 10 years so, now. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted more of a human interest and human interest thing. I really didn't know it was going to pan out like that, you know? Because at first we want that full good story. Oh my God, this, this, this was so little, you know? But mm-hmm. you also have to see the realities of that. So yeah. So I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed writing that article. Overall, what do you, what do you think about the legacy that is the FIFA World Cup as a, as a resident of Soweto? As a, let me I'll answer this. You know, for me personally, and I'll say this personally, I was not affected by anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like nothing was taken away from me, but also nothing was given to me, you know? Um, as a football fan and not looking at the politics of it, you know, and the money wasted and everything, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good tournament, you know? Um, we had the whole world year. You know, the spotlight was on South Africa. You know, I think our players, even though they didn't, we all know Bafana Bafana didn't make it out of the group stages. But like, it was, yeah, you know, you had like the fact that Simpio Chabalala was the first person to score. And he's, you know, it would have been bad if Mexico scored first. 100%. And he's got a beautiful goal. Exactly, you know. And it's still like, people are still speaking about it. So from that perception, like, you know, okay, yeah, South Africa, we did something, we did a thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> we the country thing. was well marketed. If 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 you were to say that, you know, it was a, it was a good marketing yeah. project, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and a successful. But in one. terms of, yeah, but in terms of financially and everything, I really just didn't think we were 
yeah, we spent a lot that you know, and we didn't make money from it. No return on investment, on real investment, I think. Exactly, on real investment, we didn't get that. And then when I was doing the story, I actually found out that so many people are affected and people that we don't think about, you know. So, um, yeah, so for me, it just, yeah, I looked at it in a whole nother way, you know. Like, I've always been saying, like, we needed the stadiums like your soccer cities. We needed that. We needed your Nike centers, you know. And also, Nike Center now, they built it for local football so that the young people from Soweto, young boys from Soweto, can play soccer. But it's not even open to them, you know. So it's like, is it really doing its work? And who plays there? Because I don't live in Soweto, so I don't know. But when they market it, they market that place. It's always like young people in Soweto have a, an infrastructure for them to enhance their skills, to say the least. It's tournaments, you know. If there's a tournament that is if there's a multi-choice tournament, then yes. But it's not a oh this local um, team from the proof can go and play and that's how they market it so it's like you say to build this your stadium for all these young boys that play football in Soweto but they don't have access to it at all you know so for me it's like you know like as you said I think it was a good marketing you know um, exactly but I just think when you look at the nitty-gritties and stuff I just don't think your everyday person from Soweto benefited from it you know and and much also what we were about um Phil Mokhodi was also saying he's the president of local football. He's like these people, these young boys didn't even get a chance to go to the stadium to understand. If it was a thing called to hear tickets and you actually go watch these stars that you see on TV, you know. Yeah, because the but tickets were not were not really that um accessible to an ordinary working South African. Exactly, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. But, hey, yeah. Look, man. Politics aside, um, I just, I mean, you've already mentioned that you're a, you're an honors graduate, journalism graduate. I just want to ask you about the future of journalism in this country, you know, in the sports context. Um, and I just want to throw in this little bit about, you know, um, as you saw, News Twenty Four went uh subscription mode, you know, to say for lack of a better word. And what do you think about? that those kind of interventions or inventions in, in the South African journalism landscape? You know, for them, it's, they, they need, they needed to do that, you know, um, because they need to survive. Like we can all see the times that we're living in, you know, um, they also need that income. I know there's like a few publications that close under media 24 as a whole. 100, you know? 100%. But I would have liked it to be justified. Say, you know, I personally, if I'm going to pay for something, let it be worth it. Do you understand? Let it not be news that I'm going to see on the TR, you know? So for me, mostly News 24 doesn't have in-depth. Um, and and it's not... And, and I'm not bashing them. You know, I worked there, you know. I'm just saying, for me, make me say, okay, I'm paying this much money and I'm going to get something different that I'm not getting from another publication that I'm not paying for. Because to me, as a reader, it doesn't make sense where I can get the news somewhere else, you know. So give me something different. Give me a different angle, you know. But I totally get where they're coming from. You know, they, they need the money. They need people to subscribe, you know. Um, yeah, if they could be more for me in depth, if they could just go out of the box with the... Um, 
with the journalism, you know. But also, it's this like it's just it's it's the structure, man. It's also you. There's a boss that you have to, you know. There's rules that you have to comply to. This somebody that actually owns News Twenty Four or Media Twenty Four, and they know what these stories want them to come out. So mm-hmm. it's not a journalist's fault, and that's what I always say. Like people will always bash journalists on the TR. I'm like, but as soon as you know the structure and you know that this is you are told to do this. You are told to write the story. You might pitch a story and they might say, no, like it's not aligned, you know, to what we're doing, you know. So it's, for me, it's not, it's never about the genesis. I think people should just know, there's just higher powers also involved in that, you know. I think that's a part about, you know, the journalism in this country is that there are very good journalists in this country, you know. Brilliant, yeah. But it's just that we don't own publications as as yeah. as black people to to say yeah. to say that. And I think also, you know, in the sports context, I you know, I read a thread by by Swoom Jigeli, so from from News Twenty Four, talking about the survival that that journalism needs, you know, and the only way it, it was gonna survive is through these subscriptions. So yeah. for me, I think you know, if you can afford. You know, I, I would encourage people to do subscribe, you know, because you're putting brain on the table for, for and journalism, for journalists don't, don't earn a lot of money, you know, there are people that do, yeah. but, you know, you need, we need to save the industry, you know, and, you know, somebody said yesterday when I was reading under that thread where they said, you know, we need to, we need to pay for good journalism. And I agree. So, but my, 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 my you know, my, 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 my thing about it is this. Let News 24 run good stories, run good sports stories, you know, to say the least, to say, make me want to give you my 60 rands or whatever every month. So, and also we live in a world where, you know, people, I think, speaking from my, from my point of view is that I'm, I'm subscription fatigue, you know, I'm tired of paying for subscriptions. So, you know, we journalism need to move to a point the way we need, we need better stories, as you said, and we need, you know, as much as we need feel gold stories, we need stories that resonate to a black child at the ground yeah. level, you know. Yeah. yeah, and also like what you're saying is, you know, if somebody's an average sports training full reader, then sharp subscribe. But if I'm not a if sports twenty four is not my go to place for sports, I wouldn't subscribe for it, you know. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so I just think it's it's your loyalty. If you enjoy what they write, then yeah, definitely, you know, help them. Um, but you know, it but if you don't, then you know, and but that's why I'm so grateful, like there's other publication coming publications coming out of you our well known media twenty fours and ever. You know, for example, like Far Post. Far Post is doing I was gonna say Far Post is doing oh, its thing. I know, yeah. Shout out to Diane. You know, they're very, they, they brilliant, you know. They yeah. write about the ordinary things that we wouldn't, like that any other sports publication wouldn't, you know. So, I, yeah. So, yeah, what man. Yeah, I, 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 wanted, I actually wanted to say, um, you know, as, you know, despite that, the fact that, you know, your News 24s and them are going to go subscription mode, you know, in the near future, you know, people like Butiyani and them who, who started these publications like Far Post are doing, a good job and it's 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 up to you guys who are journalists and people in the media to to do more of these good stories so i just wanted to say shout out to to a lot of you guys to say man 
you're the people that write good stories and just yeah. general journalism as as a whole industry man we i feel like we need it i'm not a journalist you know but this is yeah. just the platform that i use to to shout out a lot of you guys who are journalists and who are doing good work you know and i just wanted to say i thoroughly enjoyed your reading your article about you know the legacy that is the 2010 world cup yeah there's another article coming soon i really liked it i i think this is my place i enjoyed this one and i think if you read you understand why i enjoyed it so much you know okay. and i think that's one thing for so this this publication that i'm doing the story for for new frame they they're not your so i used to write your quick stories you know ah sundowns beat my melody sundowns this person is injured you know and as much as yes i enjoyed it but i enjoy your more in-depth pieces like your why why is this happening so saying this is happening you know your why this is happening whatever and uh, when we go back to the whole subscription thing i just wanted to say so for me it was very easy for me to download the far post app you know i didn't think about it because i knew that that's the place that i go to every day you know so that's what i'm saying with if you want to want people to subscribe to you or whatever make it worthwhile so yeah 100%. One question I want to ask you, I think this is will be my closing. Um, it's okay. quite, it's quite like, you know, but I just wanted to ask you, is there a difference between, because I see a lot of these debates on, on Twitter, ne? Before, I just want to qualify my question. I see a lot of these debates on Twitter about people being reporters and people being journalists, you know, and, you know, journalists are always getting a take, especially Bomazola and, you know, Waskep and all of these people. So is there a difference yeah. between a reporter and a journalist, you know? No, for me, it's for me. There's no difference. I just think reporter has a more what's this, um, a verb to it. It's a more doing than anything, you know. So when you think of a journalist, you think of research. You think of somebody sitting on their desk. And when you think of report, you think of somebody that's vocal or that's standing there, reporting the news. Mm-hmm. But I think in essence, you know, I refer to myself as both. Mm-hmm. You know, I refer to myself as both because a journalist reports news. You know, that's what a journalist does. Sure. So, or maybe I haven't thought so much about it, but from my side, um, I just think it's the context that you use it in, but I, I really don't see a difference in 100%. Yeah. All right, Bopuelo, I uh, just wanted to say, I, I think I'm done from my side. Any parting shot that you want to say? I just want to say people should stop attacking the PS style because it doesn't sit right. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. I hope you guys heard that, man. Stop attacking the PSL because we pillow like, doesn't like it. I don't like it, no. And it, it's accepting me and my homegirls. Ah, one, 100%. 100%. Um, all right. The understanding, yeah. Thank, thank you for joining us on the Press Box podcast, Bepelo. We really appreciate your insights and we really appreciate your thoughts. Um, we'll be looking out for that article that's dropping soon. Um, we'll just camp on your timeline and just wait for it um but yeah man from from us from the press box podcast we'd like to say thank you very much for joining us on the show thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed this thank you and that ladies and gentlemen brings us to the end of another episode of the press box podcast with myself and i just like to say thank you to my guest and thank you guys for listening to the show um from the press box podcast i'd just like to say we're out listen man
They call me the problem, but you could call me the can man because anybody can get it. Africans, Americans, Dominicans, Mexicans, anybody can get it.